Well, once again, my name is Stuart Mazell, lead pastor here. Great to see all of you here. Thank you for the, those of you who are joining us online or listening to the podcast. We're continuing our series on <clears throat> love. I want to know what love is. And we're going to the source of love, God, in his word in 1 Corinthians 13 to see what love really looks like. And so far we've seen that love is very important. It is the highest of the virtues. It is the thing that uh, is central to the way we ought to live in this life. And we've also seen that love is patient, that it, it does not uh, push hard, but it waits. And it is gracious, and it is slow. Today we're going to be reading this passage one more time, but we're also going to be focusing on the next phrase of what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says love is. So let's look, read this so we get the entire context. Again, this is God's word. Uh, Paul wrote it to the church in Corinth, but the Holy Spirit wanted to not only speak to them, but to us today. And here's what uh, Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, writes. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, will you please work in each one of us that we will see what love is. And not only that we will see it, but that you will produce the fruit of love in our lives. That we will not only love you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that we will love one another in this room, in this church, and that that love would spread out in our community, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves so that we would truly fulfill what you've said in your word, that to love you and to love others is the fulfillment of the law. And Jesus, we know we can't do this without you. You are the vine, we're the branches. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But when we are abiding in you and you in us, we will produce much fruit, including the fruit of love, so fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and teach us what it means to abide in you 
that love really will abound in our lives. Amen. So you never know what you're going to find when you, uh, when you go online. I know that's a scary statement to start a sermon with. Um, but just, just this week, I found this t-shirt. I don't know if you can read that, but it says, I tried being kind, it wasn't for me. And uh, it's t-shirts like that. You know, we can laugh at it, we kind of giggle, because we think, okay, yeah, I know the sentiment. Uh, but unfortunately, in our society, kindness is not a, a high virtue for us. Kindness is not something that we celebrate. Uh, I read an article recently where the guy asked, why is kindness so scarce? And some of the things he mentioned, I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A fast-paced lifestyle keeps you from being kind. If you're late to your next appointment and you see someone over there crying, you're probably not going to stop and say, oh, what's going on? You're just going to keep moving. Technology keeps us from being kind. Because we are so glued to our screens that sometimes we don't even notice what's going on with other people. A preoccupation with self causes us to be unkind. If you think about it, we live in a very self-centered society. We are very interested in self-esteem and in self-expression and self-fulfillment and self-discovery, and self-assurance, and self-actualization, and self-awareness, and self-help, and self-care, and on and on it goes. The focus is not on how I can care for you, but how I can care for myself. And it's hard to be kind to others when you're so focused on self. That is the society we live in, and it's hard not to allow some of that to creep in so that we're focused on self, so that we're glued to a screen, so that we are not able to really be kind to people because we're going, going, going. And it's into that society, into that situation, that the Holy Spirit is speaking and saying that we, as God's people, need to love and love is kind. Love is kind. Love is all kinds of other things, but love is definitely kind. As we see in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. Now, last week we talked about patient. This week we're talking about kind. The two really do go together, and I did consider talking about them together, but I think it helps to actually distinguish between them because you can be patient with someone but not necessarily kind, and you can be kind with someone but not necessarily patient. So it is, it is good for us to distinguish between the two. Now, here's the thing about kindness. Kindness is an expression of love. And Christians, historically, at least at first, were known for their kindness. For example, a, a man named Tertullian, and here's a picture of him, if you'd want to know, I love his hairdo. Um, Tertullian wrote in To the Nations that there were people who confused the language 
of what Christians were. See, the word Christians, yep, the word Christians, it, it really is a, a play off the word Christos, which means anointed. So Jesus is the Christ, he is the anointed one, so we're called Christians because we are anointed in his name to do the ministry in his name, right? But there were people in his day who called Christians Christians. See, there's just one letter difference. And the word Christian would come from the word Christos, which means kind. Christians were so kind that even people who were not Christians called them Christians, kind people. Is that the way the Christians are seen today? That we are kind people? Well, if you think about it, there are lots of reasons why we should be. History shows that while Christians have done some dumb things, and some mean things over time. We have done a lot of good things. Christians were behind the formation of hospitals to care for the sick. Uh, Christians were behind the push to adoption, that adoption was a, a major factor in trying to make sure that we care for the lowliest of the low in our society, including babies who can't take care of themselves. Christians were behind education in so that we could learn to read and know the scriptures better and be able to be informed. Christians, while there were some who unfortunately um, supported slavery, Christians were also behind the abolition of slavery, and they are still fighting slavery in various parts of the world today. Christians are behind a lot of charity work, things like Compassion International, that cares for people in other countries who don't have enough food, or Feed My Starving Children, which does basically the same thing, or Salvation Army, or Samaritan's Purse. All of these things are things that Christians have put together to try to care for people and show kindness to them. But according to uh, Barry Corey, in his book, Love, Kindness, Discover the Power of a Forgotten Christian Virtue, he says that of our society today, that kindness has become far too often a forgotten virtue. That Christians often bypass kindness to begin a shouting match. Or we just talk among ourselves about how awful the other side is. We have ranted before we've related, deeming the latter too soft on sin. Christians, and I've seen this especially in American Christians, in recent years have employed the combative strategy and it's not working. The culture wars have done little to change our society and we've lost many, if not all, of these wars. As a result, the church too often is marginalized and mocked and increasingly people are viewing the Bible as just as intolerable as our aggressive tactics. Ouch. So, for those of us who are struggling with kindness, when God says to love people, to love him and to love others, he's saying there is a kindness that is to be shown. So what is kindness? Well, how, how do we develop kindness? What, what does it look like and how do we develop it? Well, 
Let's start with what is kindness. And I'm borrowing this explanation from a guy named Christopher Wright, who in his book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, talks an entire chapter about what kindness is. But I love the way he phrases this. Kindness is shown by behavior that blesses and benefits others. I think that's a great way to define what kindness is. Kindness is behavior that blesses and benefits others. Kindness is not just an attitude, it is a behavior. Think about it. If you know someone who you say, well, that person is a kind person, how do you know? It's because of some behavior that they have shown, right? Whether that behavior is a kind smile, or a kind word, or a kind gesture, something they did showed kindness to you, and that's why you think of them as a kind person. Kindness cannot simply be an attitude. It always shows itself in action. And the action that kindness shows, it demonstrates, is to bless and benefit other people. It's not as much about yourself as it is looking out for others and saying, what can I do to bless another person? What can I do to benefit someone else? And I think at this point, this is a great place for us to distinguish between what it, the difference between what it means to be kind and what it means to be nice. Now, I know the word nice is not a bad word, okay? But we often use those terms interchangeably, and I don't think that they are interchangeable, at least not in our society today. To be nice is not the same thing as being kind. I would argue that to be nice involves superficiality. If you're, you know, like when we tell our children, play nice, what we're not, we're not saying, I hope that you have a heart of kindness towards your other, your brother or your sister or your friends, and I want you to treat them as such. What we're saying is, get along. Even if you have a hard time getting along, just pretend that you're getting along. So there's a level of fakeness to niceness. This is the, well, bless your heart statement that we sometimes say when we really mean something other than, well, bless your heart, right? It's holding back our true thoughts, our true opinions, because, and, and not because we think it's not wise to do it at this moment, not because we don't think it's kind to do it at this moment or helpful to do it at this moment, but simply because we don't want to rock the boat. Or probably even more on the nose. We don't want people to be upset with us. I think that's what's really at the center of being nice. I don't want you to be upset with me, so I'm going to be nice to you, so that hopefully you'll be nice to me. And we'll all just get along, even though there might be all kinds of problems underneath the surface. Kindness, on the other hand, is something very different. Uh, Tina Malti and uh, Sebastian Dyes 
in their book from being nice to being kind say this, being nice doesn't equate with being kind. Acts of kindness necessitate a selfless concern for the welfare, well, uh, excuse me, for the welfare of others. Kindness involves acts marked by compassion and a genuine, deep concern for others. Think about, for example, Psalm 141, verse 5. Now, this is a passage that you might want to wrestle with a little bit. Right? Okay, David is writing, and he says, Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Now, I know this is a sermon on kindness from 1 Corinthians 13 about how kindness and love are connected. So I'm not going to zoom in on this passage and talk about all the different things that are going on here. But at the very least, what we can see from this passage is that there are times when there are things that don't look like kindness to us and they actually are. Right? For example... If you're just walking along your merry way, downtown Sumter, let's say, and you're just walking along and I'm behind you, and I grab your shirt from behind and I pull you back like this, your first thought is going to be, how rude. Why are you being so mean to me? What did I do to deserve that? Until you recognize that a speeding car was coming right where you were going to walk, and I just pulled you back from it. See, that was an act of kindness that I was trying to protect you, I was trying to bless you and benefit you by not having you squashed all over the road, right? But in the moment, in that very first moment, when I grab your shirt and pull you back, you're thinking, that is not kind. There are plenty of times where we do things for one another. It, at first, it doesn't seem kind, but if we could back up for a moment and look at it, we could say, no, that was really so-and-so being kind to me. Having said that, let me go to the other side and make sure that you understand that just because there are some things that seem not kind and we can say, oh, they are kind because I mean for them to be kind, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are kind. Okay? There is receiving something in a kind way, like, oh, okay, I think that person meant it in, in a kind way, so I'm going to take it that way. But there's also sometimes where we excuse really poor behavior by calling it, well, I'm being kind to you, but I'm speaking the truth. Right? There is a way to speak the truth that is kind, and there is a way to receive the truth that recognizes it as being kind. Both people have responsibilities. Receive it as kindness, even if it wasn't meant in kindness. Give it in kindness, even if the person doesn't deserve the kindness. You see how that works? So, let a righteous man strike me, it's a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. We need to recognize that sometimes things that don't seem kind, they really are kind. They are meant to bless me and to benefit me. But I also need to make sure that I'm meaning to bless and benefit and not squash someone. So, what does kindness look like in real action? How do I bless and benefit others? 
Just like last week, we talked about three different things. I'm going to talk about three different things today about what showing kindness involves. So let's talk about this. Uh, showing kindness involves at least three things. The first one is being considerate and thoughtful. This is the thing I think everybody jumps to when they think of kindness, being considerate, being thoughtful. You know, we put ourselves in the shoes of others, and we say, I wonder what so-and-so would really like for me to say or do in this moment. If I was in this person's situation, how would I want to be treated? Now, I do think that's a great question, but I'm going to suggest a better question. Instead of asking, if I was in this person's situation, what would I want done to me? Maybe even a better question would be, if I was that person, what would I want in this situation? Do you see the difference? Do you? Because I'm not sure you do. I don't see enough head nodding, so I'm going to try to explain it then. All right, so let's just say you want to come to me and you say, okay, if, if I was in Stuart's shoes, which, you know, would involve this boot, what would I want done to me? Well, what you want done to you may not be what would be best for me. There are some of you in the congregation, and you'll remain nameless, but you've told me that you don't like the gentle approach. You want to be kicked in the rear. You want to be told very firmly, this is what you're doing wrong. Don't do that. Do this. Okay? And that works for you. But if you were to say, well, that's the way I want to be responded to, so I'm going to respond to another person that way, well, that person may not really like it that way and may not respond well that way. So try to not put yourself in that person's shoes. Put yourself in that person's person. And say, what does this person really need? How do they best respond? You're trying to be considerate. You're trying to be thoughtful, right? And we can be considerate and thoughtful even to people, even to people who are doing wrong. A passage that has really, based on what I just said, you know, the whole thing about, you know, being kind of rough and tough and just calling it like it is, 2 Timothy 2, 24-25 has really influenced me greatly. Because I used to be a quarrelsome person. My wife's not here, she, but she could attest. There were times where we would go to some event, and there would be people sitting behind us, and they would be talking about something, and she could just see my blood pressure rising because she knew that I wanted to get involved that I wanted to jump into their conversation and correct whatever wrong thing they were doing. And so she would often grab my arm and say, don't. But this passage has really meant a lot to me, and I think the Spirit has used it in many, many ways to say, hey, Stuart, the Lord's servant, that's you, must not be quarrelsome, but kind. To everyone. Able to teach. Patiently enduring evil. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance. Leading to a knowledge 
of the truth. And so I try to remember, be considerate to this person. Be thoughtful to this person. Be gentle with this person. Don't be quarrelsome. Correct with gentleness. Speak the truth, yes. But speak it in a way that they know that you care for them. Speak it in a way that they know that you're not against them, that you're for them. Do I always do that well? No, I do not. But it is something that I think the Holy Spirit has been working on me for years for me to recognize this is important. Not just for me, but for all of us. To love someone is to show kindness, and to show kindness means being considerate and thoughtful of the other person, even when they're doing the wrong things. But second, not only does it mean being considerate and thoughtful, being kind to others involves being gracious and merciful. You know, as a pastor, it doesn't happen like every day or even every week, but it does happen where people will come into my office and they'll confess something that they have done. And in that moment, I have to show grace. I have to show mercy. I have to show kindness. I have to show love. Because the person is confessing. They're not hiding. Right? That is the way of God. When we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He shows grace to the humble. He shows mercy and kindness to people who are willing to admit that they're wrong. It's those that don't admit that they're wrong that have the issues with God. Right? And so I'm trying to play that out in my life as Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. How has God in Christ forgiven you? Fully. Right? When we say, Lord, please forgive me. I was wrong. I did wrong. This was sin. What does God do? He is faithful and he's just to forgive because Jesus took all of that sin upon himself at the cross. And that's the way he's forgiven us. And so how do I forgive others? If they're willing to confess, then I say, you're forgiven. Now, there might be consequences to your sin, yes. But I have to be gracious. I have to show compassion. I have to show kindness because that is the way of Jesus to be kind, tender-hearted, to forgive. Uh, some of you know uh, that recently Bunny Self, uh, she passed away a few weeks ago. Now, there are many of you who do not know that name because she's been um, in a nursing home for years and years and years, but she was a member of this church. 
And I, I heard a story from their family that just has stuck with me, and I told it at, their, at the funeral. Many of you were not there, so I do want to tell you that story because I think it's really great. Um, her dad, Bunny's dad, when she was a little kid, had this big, juicy apple. And he said, now this is my apple. Nobody mess with it. I'm going to put it right here on this shelf, and I'm going to leave, and then I'm going to come back in a few minutes. I want to see it right there. Nobody's messing with it. Well, you know what that does to a kid, right? So he leaves, and Bunny looks at that apple and goes, that looks like a good apple. And so she walks over to it, takes a bite out of it, and then has this brilliant idea that she just turns the bite away from the way that you would look at it when you walk in the room, hoping that her dad wouldn't notice. So he walks in, and of course he does notice, and he says, Bunny, did you take a bite out of my apple? And Bunny said, yes, sir. I'm sorry. Am I in trouble? And this is amazing. Her dad said, no, you're not in trouble because you confessed it. You came clean. Isn't that the way of God with us? When we come clean, when we say, you're right, Jesus, you're right, God, I messed up, please forgive me. And God says, you're not in trouble. I've forgiven you. I've washed your sins as far away as the east is from the west. You are clean because of Jesus. Isn't that great news? And that's the way we're to treat each other. Whenever we hurt one another, whenever we damage one another in some way. Now, granted, there are situations where we need to be careful, but we need to be quick to say, I at least want to forgive you, even if I'm not there yet. I want to be gracious. I want to be merciful. I want to be kind to you, because God has been kind to me in Jesus. So showing kindness involves being considerate and thoughtful. It, it involves being gracious and merciful. But one more thing, it also involves being generous. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but being kind to someone involves generosity. It involves being generous with our time, with our talents, with our treasures. If you think about someone who's been kind to you, I bet they showed you generosity. Another former member of this church who um, passed away years ago, uh, Charles McCright. I can't tell you how many times that kind man, right out here in this narthex, I would walk out, and I had said I was going on vacation, and he would shake my hand, and there would always be money in his hand that he was handing off to me, and he would say, I want you to use this on your vacation. That's kindness by being generous. He also used to call my children and tell them that he was Santa Claus, but that's a different story. <laughs> being generous with our treasure and being generous with our talents when we have an ability to do something. I haven't had permission to say this, so I will use, I will, this, this will be anonymous, but there was one of you this week who actually helped me at my house this week, just this week, 
and basically said, when I said, well, what do I owe you for this? You said, be blessed. That's kindness, by being generous with your time. And your talents, because I didn't know what to do in this situation, and this person did. Think about what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, how he connects generosity with kindness. He says, give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, be generous, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Why? For He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Look, if God can be kind to the ungrateful and to the evil, surely we can grow in kindness to each other. And that's what we want to talk about next. That the way that we are enabled to be kind, to show love to others through kindness. We are enabled to do this. We're enabled to love others with kindness because of the loving kindness of God in Christ. As we reflect on the loving kindness of God in Christ, that's when we can start to see our own hard heart softening, our love starting to blossom for one another kindness starting to well up in our souls. Think about the confession of faith we had today, Titus 3, verses 4 through 5, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His mercy. Think about how considerate and thoughtful God is to us in Christ. Think about how gracious and merciful God is to us in Christ. Think about how generous God is to us in Christ. And as you start to reflect on that, you'll start to see that all that we owe God is so big and so wide and so ugly, there's no way we could pay it back, and yet God is gracious and merciful, and generous, and considerate, and thoughtful. He's kind. He's given us way more than we ever deserve. And He's not giving us the bad things that we do deserve. That's our God. And that's how He shows us love. And even those times where He is patient with us, and waiting, that's a kindness. As Romans 2, 4 says, do you presume on the riches of His kindness? See, there's the generosity. Generosity of His kindness. And forbearance and patience. Not knowing that God's kindness, listen, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. 
The kindness that someone shows you is meant to change you in some way. And the kindness that God shows us in Christ is meant to change us. For us to say, you know what, you're being so kind to me, I can't help but say, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. Forgive me. Make me more like you. So if you like action points, I have two of them for you today. And I think, while they're not easy, they're easy to understand. The first one is this. Pray. Pray for the habitual fruit of kindness to abound in your life. Pray for, and notice, the habitual fruit of kindness to abound in your life. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is, among other things, kindness. It is not that we pull ourselves up by our kindness bootstraps and we become more kind. We're not going to become more kind by saying, I'm going to be a more kind person today. That will last maybe 30 seconds. Especially if you meet someone who is unkind to you. Right? But the fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit works this in us. And it's not something that is haphazard. It just happens in moments. Oh, I was kind here, but I wasn't kind here. No, the fruit of the Spirit is habitual kindness. So pray for that. Pray for the Spirit to work in you to produce loving kindness. And then, because kindness is not just an attitude, it is a behavior, practice. Pray, but then practice. Practice not-so-random acts of kindness. See, our culture tells us practice random acts of kindness. You know, as if it's, you know, you're just driving down the road and, well, I decided to be kind today. That's not what kindness is. Now, kindness is something that starts on the inside and it goes on the outside. So don't be random in your kindness. Grow to be a kind person who practices kindness. I would like to end this section of the sermon with a story about a, a person that you may have heard of uh, Rosario Butterfield. In, in her book, The Unlikely, uh, sorry, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, she tells her own story of how she was moved by someone's kindness. Now, if you don't know her story, Rosario was a liberal lesbian professor who thought that all Christians were ignorant and mean-spirited. And she published a, a critique of the Promise Keepers movement, which was a Christian organization, um, in her local newspaper, and she received a good bit of mail from that. There was some fan mail, but there was also some hate mail, and guess who the hate mail came from? It was Christians. She received so many letters from this one article that she wrote that she actually kept empty Xerox boxes by her desk, and she had one that was for hate mail and one that was for fan mail. And she would just, she would read it and go, okay, that's a fan mail. Okay, that's a hate mail. But she also received one letter from a pastor. His name was Ken, his name is Ken Smith. And at the time, he was the pastor of a Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. And she says of this letter, it was a kind 
an inquiring letter. It encouraged me to explore the kind of questions I admire. He didn't argue with my article. He asked me to explore and defend the presuppositions that undergirded it. In other words, he didn't like, it wasn't hate mail. He was saying, hey, I read your article. Here's some questions that I have that I would love for you to think about. She says, it was the kindest letter of opposition that I had ever received. Think about that, kind opposition. And the letter actually invited her to call the pastor if she would like to discuss things further. She really didn't know how to respond to this letter. She couldn't put it in the hate mail because it wasn't hateful. And she couldn't put it in the fan mail because it wasn't a fan of what she had said. And so it sat on her desk for seven days. And every day she walked in, she would see that letter and it would bug her. She even tried throwing the letter away so she wouldn't have to think about it. And at the end of the day, she would always dig it out and put it back on her desk. So finally, she called this pastor. And during the phone conversation, he invited her to dinner with his family. And eventually, she became a believer in Christ. And she says it was the kindness of that pastor who sent that letter and then invited her into his home to discuss these things. And the kindness that he showed her, that was what won her over. Now we do know that the Holy Spirit was at work. All right, we all know that. But the Holy Spirit used that pastor's kindness as a way of drawing her to himself. Would that we would be the same kind of people as that pastor, where we're kind to people, even when we oppose them. So by the power of the Spirit, let's grow. Let's grow in demonstrating loving kindness to others because of the loving kindness that we've been shown in Christ. Let me pray for us that we'll be able to do this. Holy Spirit, help us to grow in loving kindness. Fix our eyes on Jesus to see all of the ways that you, Jesus, have been gracious and merciful to us. That you've been thoughtful and considerate to us. That, that you really have been generous with so much to us and that our hearts would be melted by your loving kindness so that we would love you and we would love others and we would even love those who hate us, that we would love those who oppose us, that we would love those who we would consider enemies and show them kindness. Grow us in this, Holy Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.